All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for another installment of our study series, Discipling Through Philippians. Now, this is our 12th lesson in Philippians, our 12th lesson. Now, we're going to go to chapter 2. Chapter 2. And we'll start at verse... We'll start at verse 5, and then we're going to go down and we'll focus in on verses 13 through 18. Because we spoke a little bit, a little bit about verses 5 through 11 last week when we weren't on, on live. But we'll start there. Let's go to the New Living Translation. It reads this way. And you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took up the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. They have clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service, your faith, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. <clears throat> now, last week we were looking at verses five through eleven. And we highlighted, we talked about how amazing it is. You know, the way Christ is the ultimate example of humility. And, you know, none of us can really understand what it was for him to go from the place of eternity, the second member of the Godhead, and entering in to the flesh, taking on flesh. Just like he says here in verse 7, 
he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Going from where he was to an entering into time and space and the limitations of a human body. And to not only do that, but to be obedient to death at the hands of his own creation. But he did that. Why? For you. Mm-hmm. For me. To restore their relationship. To take away the separation that sin had caused. He did that for us. Now, I want us to focus on verses 12 and 13. Now, why would you think that Paul is saying here, he says, Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So what is he saying here? Because he's telling us to work hard. Don't mean what it looks like it means. <laughs> to show your love. What else can you show as a result of salvation? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he didn't mean work so that you'll be saved. Yep, because I was taught that way for years in the King yeah. James Version. Mm-hmm. Work out your own salvation. Mm-hmm. With you sure love to everybody. It's hard work sometimes. That, like destroy lives, <laughs> lives probably. And some people you want to do anything but love them. We were talking about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the grocery store. <laughs> Not just on the road. Yeah. The, the grocery Sometimes store. when you respond with love, to, when the person's waiting for you to jump on them, and you respond with kindness and love, you kind of blow them away. They're, they're taken back. The Holy Spirit moves on them, and they don't know what to do, really. Because yep. they're expecting a, a hurricane. Yep. Heaping coals of fire. I kind of see it as... Do the works that a saved person does. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're working to earn something, but you're working out as a result of the fact that you are saved. It's just doing what a saved person should do. And that, and because that's who you are. In the end of all that, it's always love that's the, the motive behind it, right? Doing the, doing the work. Yeah, because Amplify, Amplify says work out. Your salvation. Yeah. So work it out. You know, means that some of you aren't just working out mm-hmm. so people can see the manifestation of what you have. And like she said, so I'm saved, so there should be some actions. Salvation fruit. Right. There should be fruit to say, you know what, this is who I am. And you can see the fruit, I like the word fruit, of what I say I am. And so, but yes, to work out, 
Like you work in the mouth, so you already got it. You work out. Not just working on it, they say it works hard. But that gives us that, that mindset that I just gotta, you know, do, 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 but this is working out. Now I'm looking at a study guy and it's pulling from Kenneth Weiss, his commentary. So the word study here, word, work out says it in the Greek it means to carry out to the goal, to carry out to his ultimate conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And the examples given he says we, we say the student worked out a problem in the arithmetic, that he worked it out. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> that is he carried the problem to his ultimate conclusion. Right. And this is the way it is used here. The Philippians are being exhorted to carry their salvation to its ultimate conclusion. Namely, being Christ-like, right? So it's not—it's not conjuring something up that that wasn't already there. Because you use that even even to, to use the phrase "working out," you work out a muscle, right? You're not developing a muscle out of thin air. You have muscle already in you, right? The bicep muscle, the tricep. The more exercise that you do. And the more that that muscle is nourished and given time to recover, the greater it is going to grow, right? And so it is in our spiritual lives, right? Because we use the word fruit. Mm-hmm. And I know y'all, you've all heard the, the, the joke where the preacher will be like, have you er- ever heard an apple tree grunting when you walk past it? <laughs> or a peach tree? Yeah. Sweating and, and, and you know screaming, straining. No, it does what if if the, if it's provided it with nourishment from the branch. Yeah, it's provided with nourishment. The branch produces the fruit. The water, water, yeah, gets that sunlight. It's going to produce fruit. Why? Because that's its very nature. That's what it is. Right. Just let your light shine, basically. So, with that being said, then what is our sunlight, our water, our soil? The word. Yeah, word. Prayer time. Relationship with Relationship, you know. Oh, that's, you know, you're nourishing, you know, what needs to be manifest. So, you know, prayer time, like I said, we spend time the word. Spend time as presence, spend time among other believers. So that's what you know when you you what you use the word, I saw another word, cultivate. You're cultivating what's what's already there. there. Yeah. That's cool. Because the seed has what it needs within itself. It just needs the proper environment and nourishment for it to produce. Yeah. And so it is with us in, in that in all those activities, the prayer, the time meditating on the word, the time in fellowship with the saints, all that stuff is just the avenue for the mind to be transformed. So giving precedent to the mind of the spirit so the, the spirit can express himself 
more through us because there's not this, there's less and less flesh resistance. Carnal thinking that is blocking the, the expression of the Holy Spirit through us. Yeah. Looking at verse 13 in the in the Passion Translation, and it reads like this: He says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. And of course, the New Living Translation says, Well, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, how, how encouraging is that? If you sit down and really look at what is being said here. I think, well, I think you have to be careful not to give yourself the credit mm-hmm. for your growth. I think this is true. Shibba does us know that he says that God is working you, giving you the desire. Okay, so the desire comes from him. Versus desire coming from you, you giving the credit. Okay, so mm-hmm. if there's any fruit, he should get the glory for it. Not you, because he gave you desire to do it. It came, the desire came from him. It didn't come from you, it came from him. And said, and the desire and the power. So not only did he give me desire, he gave me the power to carry it out wasn't my own ability. It was the ability that he gave me through me trusting in him. That's a hard lesson to learn. It is. It really is. Back when I first got saved, I saved five or six years. I was uh, at church three or four times a week. I was in the choir. I was counseling at CBN on the phones. And I'm working my way, right? And I'm thinking, man, I'm I'm doing something. So one time I got real... I start looking inside. I said, Lord, show me, show me, show me the fruit that I have. We show me the fruit. And I had this little vision of this little scrawny tree with shriveled up dried fruit on it. And I thought, no, that can't be me. Because I, I thought I was really doing something. The problem was I was doing something. That was the problem. I wouldn't let him do something. I remember an example I saw a preacher do. He said, when you, you know, because sometimes people, when they're not saved, you know, they try to do good. He said, well, I'm going to do good. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, well, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop cussing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, it's just like this. Okay, I'm going to. He said, but your nature is just to do it. So he said, I'm going to stop cussing. And then that's why you bounce back to what you really do. He said, but when you become saved, you know, you may say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to forgive this person. I'm not going to forgive this person. But then the truth, that divine nature in you, boom, bounce back. So, you know what? Because it's that's part of your DNA now. It's in your heart then. Right. Yeah. And our job is to submit to that, to yield to it, because we can resist it. Exactly. So the thing is, you don't have the equipment to carry it out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to do it. But for believers, just like you said, just us yielding to what's already there. And then we talk about her developing it to the point, you know, hey, it becomes more natural to forgive versus to hold on to something. 
you know, yeah. that kind. Yeah. I think it's like too, you know, when you feel realize the heart, like you're saying, you know, behind it, you know, like when we're told commands, you know, growing up and stuff, well, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like when you raise it, it's like, oh, my parents told me not to do this because the Bible says it. But then like you kind of come to a point, it's like, well, why God? Why is it important to do or to not do this? And then when you realize it, you, especially, you know, of course, obviously when you have God come in and change your heart, you're like, oh, wow, forgiving is because you forgave us, God, and you love, you want us to love each other. And it's for my benefit because it's not hurting them. You don't want me to have bitterness and have all this ugly stuff grow in my life. And the more you, you know, have the heart behind it, you know, then you're like, wow, you know, and then it changes. But I remember I told when the first thing I got saved at 10, when the first thing that I knew I was saved because when I was, before I got saved, well, I was fighting on the front of that. You know, I knew it was easy. You got beat up for you the one that didn't beat you. <laughs> you know, so it was like, hey, okay, come on, let's let's get it, you know. And so, you want a tango? Right, the least little thing, you know, I'm Right, you know, because I got five brothers to say, okay, if you get beat up, we're going to beat you up. So, okay, hey, like, you know what? And so they train you out of fighting. So I remember, but when I got say at 10, that was the first thing he took away, my desire, just to like, and I remember, you know, after that, you know, somebody pushed me and I just kind of like, okay, you know, walk away, back off. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attack back. And so I was like, but that was one of the first things that, he, that I knew. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Change took place because before I got say, oh, it would have been on. God's still working that in me. I have a hard time walking <laughs> away. I do, as old as I am. <laughs> yeah, that was one. That was the first thing He took from me. That I know when I got saved, I was like, okay, because like I said, I neighborhood you. It was like scuffles like every week, and you might be in one of them. And they knew you weren't gonna bite. Oh, you was a victim. Mm-hmm. But when everybody knows you'll fight whether you win or lose, they leave you alone. Exactly. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they can beat you up. They don't want to go through the hassle. Right. Because they know they're going to end up with something broken or bloody anyway. Even if even if they win, Mm -hmm. they don't want to fight you again. No. Uh -uh. In fact, usually you become friends. Exactly. After a fight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because now we can team up and beat up everybody else. (laughs) Wow. Verse 14 now says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Oh, man. That's a big one right there. In the Passion, it says, they're looking at each other. (laughs) It says, live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. And somebody might be saying, well, well Paul, it's easy for you to say. You ain't living, you ain't living now. In this time, we live in there. But we got to remember, if you step back and look at what Paul was doing, yeah. and he's saying all this, and he was walking it out. Mm-hmm. He was walking it out. But I think that's, this is huge because I think people think, they think it's natural to complain. And I'm, and we all are guilty, but and for me, when I do it, I have to catch myself and say, you know what? This ain't right. So, but I, in society, I think it's if you if you complain, it's easy to get somebody to join with mm-hmm. you, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. you know 
like the workplace mm-hmm. or sickness. You know, we just swap um, testimonies. Mm-hmm. And then we just one bigger. Oh, I had a headache last week. Oh, I had two. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you know I what? know. People yeah, compete you know to see who's Man, the sicker one. You know what? My back Jeez. was hurting last week, you know, and it's there for three days. No, mine was for five days. <laughs> And I'm listening. I'm still, I'm still on the daily basis. I'm saying we're just swapping sickness yeah. stories, trying to outdo one. Yeah, another. trying to outdo one another. You know, another easy thing too, and I'm sure you can relate. Anybody who's worked in any workplace can relate. Is in a workplace where you hear, "Wow, so and so coworker did this. So and co, you know, manager mm-hmm. did that." And you know, I've told mom recently. I go, "What I love about working in a grocery store, at least the one I work in, it's very busy. The gossip stays down very low." And my, my personal thing, even if I try to get drawn it, I just go, you know my name? No, it ain't Julie. It's Bennett. I'm Bennett. I ain't in it. You know? But however, you know, I've worked with women before in, in a small outlet store. And I mean, the gossip, it is it is fertile ground for it. And it, it's so hard not to get caught up in that. You know, the, yeah. wah, wah, wah. she was doing this and that. She was running around. And I know she, I'm like, oh my gosh. You know? But yeah, it's, it's easy to get caught up in. Yeah. Now, why is it so easy though? What do you think that is? That's a challenge. Because the question. devil anoints it. <laughs> <laughs> Terry had the right idea. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, good question. <laughs> I, I just think, I mean, I think, especially the culture now, I think it's just easy to, to me, it's easy. My dad always said, he says, um, he said, when you work in the morning, he said, the devil will give you 101 excuses not to do something. So it's always easy. To me, it's easy to find something wrong with something. More people see the glass half empty yeah. than half and full. Yeah, and I think it's always easy to find something wrong with mm-hmm. what. Because I just saw somebody on Facebook today that popped up. And she, she just asked, why do, why, do I, why do I have to go to work today? And I'm saying, really? I mean, for people, so you, it's always easy to find something to complain about, I think, because that's easy. You can always say, okay, I don't want to work because, I don't want to do this because, I don't want, and it's always easy to find an excuse not to do something versus say, you know what, I know what I, I have a situation here, but you know what? Let me look for any, a reason to do it, regardless mm. of what I got to face. Maybe just because we live in a fallen world and to, yeah. to take the opposite position, we right. have to choose to do that. Yeah, it's a choice. To, to a fallen person, it, to, it's not natural. It's natural to look at the negative side. And we're so, we're so prosperous, too. We're, the prosperity has something to do with it. I was watching a show and I saw a guy living in a mud house and uh, he had a job, but he said his, his dream, this is his dream for a lifetime, to own a fan and a television. And I thought, yes, I thought, we're, he wasn't, and he knew he wasn't complaining. Right. Americans have so much stuff that we look at back and say, well, you find something wrong with it, you know? So we have an entitlement mentality. But as Julie said, it's so easy to get. Because even me, like I said, we got water, we get poured into it. 
it, it'll pull you in. You'll find yourself, and then you're like, wait a minute. Retail, hold yes. On, hold on. Let me put the brakes on here because this is not where God wants me to go, you know. And then, you know, you I, I pay attention now. When my mind is going to a place with negative and I'm focused on negative, I, I I see my emotions change with it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very attentive. I catch mm-hmm. that now. It's like, okay. And you know, he's like, okay, I'm feeling bad because I'm focusing on this. So I need to change the way I think. Mm-hmm. I need to start thinking, I need to start confessing the scripture mm-hmm. that's gonna take this negative because if I keep focusing on it, it's gonna keep taking me. You'll go in the direction that you're right, focusing on. But I'm focusing on. And so therefore you have to yeah. pay attention to that, you know, and I've trained myself to do that. I wasn't always good at that, but I've trained myself to say, okay, you know, listen, look at how you're feeling. Now what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. I've asked God too sometimes, like, why is so and so person doing something a certain way? You know, if I even, you know, because it's hard, because when I have a you know, like just say if somebody says, like, well, this person's doing this, and I kind of think that but I don't want to get in the middle of it you know and then I start thinking I start going like God okay why are they doing that why do they act that way what's going on in their life you know I'm not saying I'm perfect at that I miss that sometimes I'm just <laughs> criticize we all do but I'm like I think that can help us look at each other different when we ask like why you know God do they need prayer do they need help mm-hmm. why are they acting a certain way you know and then maybe who knows you know God will talk to you it's like just pray for them you know or they may need to be reached out to or whatever. <laughs> I'm always God. I'll be sometimes looking God. I say, okay, I know what I'm thinking is not what I'm supposed to be thinking. Exactly. But right now, I want I want to snap his neck. You know, yeah. I do. And I'm saying, you know, so you got to help me change this. I can relate, bro. You know. But see, but how how freeing is that to know that you can talk to the Lord? Like yes, mm-hmm. yes, and he, yeah. and he can. Out of that. Right. And he understands us. He doesn't. Con- have. Yeah, he doesn't condemn us, and we can be real with him right. as a father to go like, right. I'm struggling with this, you know. <laughs> the continually revitalize you just kept sticking out to me. Uh-huh. We keep making we keep making a mistake. You keep falling because if some of the stuff that's happened between me and her and my uh-huh. yard, as we call it, it's not a very good example of salvation. But what they don't see is that God is continually revitalizing you going, come on now, that's not how you behave. I love you. You don't have to do that. And he's, he, they don't see what part of the picture. So it's like. Well, we mentioned that earlier. We had a friend a long time ago. She passed away of a really, it wasn't a good accident. It was in her hot tub. And she died right way too young. She was in her fifties, but um, <clears throat> she was a good friend of ours. We cleaned for her and whatever. Would you pass out? Um, I don't know, but I mean, yeah, they found her dead there. But however, years before that, before we ever knew anything like that would happen, um, she told me one time, shared with me. She's like, you know, your mom, like, you know, she's a woman of her word. She does this and that. She was saying all kinds of good stuff. I mean, this woman, she didn't. She wasn't a Christian, and my mom argued. She said, "Yeah, my mom would call, yeah, and talk to me at her home, whatever home, and we would argue sometimes. And I would argue, and I would tell her take my phone, I might throw it. But the next week, I'd be talking to my mom. Fine, and she she'd go. She'd tell her, she goes, I don't understand how your mom could be so angry." At her mom. Yeah. Like last week and this week they're talking fine. And even though she saw the moral that, even though she saw mom fall, get frustrated, she saw her get back up. 
each time. And I thought that was cool. It's like, we always think we have to be perfect as Christians. Yeah. It's like, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to trust God. And people right. see that and it's like, wow, you know, they have something there, you know, like an anchor in their life. <laughs> now I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm hearing another, another voice here. Chris says, you know, okay, I hear all y'all talking, right? Don't complain. Don't argue. All right. Sounds like a Sunday school lesson, but this is the real world. How are we supposed to handle injustice? Do you supposed to just let things happen? Do you just let people walk over you? Do you just ignore injustice? How do you respond? Now, how do I address that and continue to be obedient to what Paul is, is in, in exhorting us to do here. You've got to be led. He always has a way out for you. He always has a way to do something, but you have to hear him because it's not very often that it's what we're thinking yeah. on doing. And everything he does is in 100% complete love. Mm -hmm. Even the most harshest thing that seems like harsh, but it's, it's for somebody's good, his our good. He's still doing 100% love, but... You know, people don't see it that way. You can be in a situation where you think there's no way out of this. And you, you pray about it and ask him to lead you and guide you when your flesh really wants to just explode and go tear somebody up. And, and if you allow him to move through you and, and, and do what he wants to do, everything gets taken care of. It's just you, you sit back and think, man, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> and Gene knows nothing, you know? And I'm learning some situations. I don't say anything. I don't. I'm learning not to respond. Mm -hmm. Yep. To criticism. Sip it. But when people come at you, I'm learning to say, "Okay, I'm not gonna do it." You know, even though as I don't know if Judas heard this thing. I even though I got receipts on you, <laughs> but I'm not going because I'm learning putting you on blast or. Trying to make you feel, even though I have stuff on you, trying to make you feel bad that I know this, it's not going to do any good because all it's going to do is just keep keep it coming. And so I'm learning to say, okay, you know what? Whatever. You want to do it. Wrecking yourself in. dead. Yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> like, okay, we're not, I'm not going to do this because it's going to keep going. And all, you know, even though, okay, I have stuff on you that I can expose. But, you know, I think and I thought about it and I said, does God want me to do that? No. You really want me to do that? You're supposed just, to cover you know, one another. So right, and so I'm saying, it. okay, so I'm not going to I'm not going I'm not going to do that. I'm just, okay, we just going to, I'm going to let you after you say your piece, I'm done, mm -hmm. okay? And I'm going to go on about doing what I'm supposed to do because it's not going to help anything. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I'm, I'm like, so once again, this is that's this is new for me because I'm like, okay, normally I would be like, oh, you, you want to trade stuff? Okay, here's what you did. <laughs> and I got some more too. You want me to give me some more? <laughs> and I'm learning, okay, that's not mm -mm. at the end. What is it gonna help? Mm -mm. Not one bit, not one bit. It's just we we trading blows, trading blows, and then you know, fellas is constantly getting hurt. Things to get, I'm not gonna sell them anything that way. You're not gonna sell them anything. So I'm, I'm learning, you know, just okay. Walking low, okay, whatever, you know. Just. 
I heard Andrew talking about, he goes, there's sounds you, you just supposed to stand up for yourself. Yeah. But yes. in the right way. Right. That's, that sometimes it's the hardest part. You go, what is the right way? Then you have, you have to ask God. He used an example Andrew did, which she said right there, and this is probably one of the ones I think this is real, like we say in real examples, like if you're going to like a church and we've been in that situation, mom and I, it kind of hit home for us. We always thought, you know, and I think we've all, a lot of us that came from the belief system, you don't say anything to the pastor. You don't say anything to the pastor. It's wrong. He's anointed of God, you know, like that. And we came from that and we didn't realize, you know, we, we would read. Andrew Walmack's teaching articles at first. We didn't even like listen a lot. We just would read. And he had talked about, you know, a healthy way of standing up for yourself. And he used that as an example. And he goes, it's okay. You know, if you need to, you know, situation arises, go to your leadership at your church and say, blah, 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 whatever. And if they don't agree with you, you just, you shake the dust off your feet. You go, I'm going to have to, you know, step away, but you don't be mean. You pray blessings over them. And that's the way to, you know. <laughs> I got <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? That's but you know, it was, it was cool to see. On. You know, that was just an example I remembered. Yeah, yeah. Right. Shutting up right now. Saying nothing better than the point at which you feel totally free. Yeah, that's where the liberty comes in. It's hard. I got a new job one time, and the guy that hired me was just talking about the Lord. He just. Talking about all the good things God gave him, gave him a wife, gave him a new house. He's got this job and he's making a pile of money, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, man, you really, you're really going. And somebody came in and said, this happened and that happened. It had to, had to do with the business, right? And he started using the F word and mother F word. And I was, I was like, I almost fell out of the chair. And when I walked back out front, one of the guys that went to church with him came there. And I said, man. What is it? How come people talk? I never heard Christians talk like that. And he, you know what he said to me? And this guy was a, a, an elder. Well, his father was a farmer. And those farmers had some rough language, you know. I want to slap him after that. <laughs> it's like, he's cussing like that because his father was a farmer? Get away from me, you know? I, I, I was trying to figure, figure it out. Yeah. And you were talking earlier. Um, I, it, it made me think about Galatians 5 where it says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch mm -hmm. out. Beware of destroying one another. <clears throat> right? Because in and really the whole the whole idea, the the, the MO behind strife, conflict is for that very thing to, to happen, that that cycle to continue, right, right, and that's the the reason I asked the quote, you know, brought that up about the whole thing about injustice, like, you know, where do you, how do we really flesh this out, right? Because the thing about it is, if the scripture says what it says, don't complain, don't argue, right? The scripture also says. Speak the truth and love, yeah. right? Let's see. I know people use that scripture a lot as 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 license, say what's on their mind. To say what's on my yeah, mind. Yeah, they're gonna attack you. Speak. Yeah, yes. what's on my mind. But that's the, but the difference is it is it what's on 
the spirit's mind or your mm-hmm. mind? I think Weist translates that as speaking the truth, which is the truth of the word of God. It's not just anything out there that you want to pick today. It's truth. It's it's in a different context. It's it's like admonishing one. Then we want to take right? one scripture and cloak it in. But God's word says this, and I needed to tell you this because this is and the fingers going like that, and they got the word, you know, but so it's taken out of context, and there's no love there. I had a minister like, a long while back, probably seven, six, seven years ago. She told me um, <clears throat> I went to her. I needed some help or some things. Mom and I both did. Um, she was a deliverance minister, and I I agree with a lot of the things she said, but it kind of changed. But I mean. Most of her stuff was really nice, and she was very founded and grounded in God's love, and I thought that was good, you know, other than, like, some deliverance ministries was just, like, really crazy. But I had chatted with her over the phone. She was actually in another state, and we were just chatting and stuff, and I had told her something that had happened to me. Um, Someone had confronted me really not well in a setting, and um, she had told me, she goes, um, well, I told, actually, I'll tell what I told her. It was a long story, but I didn't say I mentioned her before, but it was just I had been um, confronted in front of a couple of pastors and leaders at a church. I had, Mom and I had asked for prayer and kind of like a setting like that where you pray and everything. And one of the, the women, she told me that she had been telling her husband that there was something wrong with that girl. And she said all kinds of like things about me, like in front of them. And I was desperate. So I listened, you know, but it really, I think it really hurt, you know, when I thought later now I'm good, but you know, just at the time it really bothered me. And I told this lady that was in Texas, the, the deliverance minister, I told her a couple of several months later when I was kind of under her care. And she told me, she goes, I said, do you think it's right for that? I said, it just, I said, it didn't seem like that was what that lady needed to do or whatever. And she goes, how I feel about it. She goes, anything that's not done in love, it's, it's not right. Or anything that's done in love is. And I go, that's the thing. I think when we feel like somebody is doing something wrong, you know, that's where we go to God. And then even if we say something, it's like, are we doing it because like we said, it's getting our benefit, you know, out of it. Or are we really thinking like, I don't want them to hurt. I want I think they should know this is going to hurt them. You know, I don't know. That's just my thought. You know, it's like being done in love. It's number one. And, and honestly too, you know, when we talk about love, we got to understand, okay, what is the scripture's definition of what love is? Mm-hmm. Always thinking the best of another person. Yeah, let's go there. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look at that. Because, you know, in some, in, in, in some instances, that, 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 whole, that whole premise of speaking the truth and love is just license to tell somebody off. Right? Yes. Excuse me. First Corinthians right thirteen. All right. Now I'm reading this in the New Lab Living Translation, so they you know, it's real plain here. All right. So verse four. Love is patient and kind. Patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not heritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Let me pause there. 
I didn't see just the dialogue we've had up to this point. We didn't we didn't miss all this. <laughs> and some of the, some of the conversations we talk about, you know how we we can get into these these dialogues, you know whether it be in, in at the workplace or you know amongst amongst friends or amongst family or whatever. And you you get to this place where you're trying to one up each other, right? Right. But scripture says keeps no record of being wronged. That stuff is 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 that's not easy. Especially when somebody pulls your card. Right. When they like, you know what? Why you keep acting like you all such and much? I remember when XYZ mm-hmm. did this, or when you did that. So the temptation is, is like, oh, okay. But what about yesterday? Just yesterday, you did ABC, right? Because you fell in some kind of way. But the most impactful thing that we can do, you know, in that moment, take a breath, pause, especially when we know that thing has hit us, and learn the vocabulary of silence. I've heard Creflo say that, use that phrase. Yeah. The vocabulary of silence. <clears throat> There's a reason why we got two ears and just one mouth. We don't worry about two. Yeah. Because right. scripture says we speak quick to listen. To listen. Slow to speak. Right. Because that 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 temptation to get that that is there, especially when you got history with somebody. You know, it's not easy to, you know, to to calm that, that that natural carnal response. To want to get back, especially when you know they're trying to push your button, and you and you and they catch you on the wrong day. Yes. <laughs> and then the culture says, "Keep it one hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna keep it one hundred. So I'm gonna let you have it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Since you want to go there, here we go. And so, <clears throat> yeah. And this is why I keep you know I think about you know this. And like we we can read scripture and we can we can hear teaching, but when the rubber meets the road, you know how do we live this thing out? And this is why this is the thing I like about what we do here, our study, because you know just talking about how do we really flesh this stuff out, yeah. right? Because I'm I'm looking at six, four, five, six, seven. Verse six says it does does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. It's not going back to verses four and five. Love is patient and kind. You solve if you can. Yeah. That's culture. Culture did you solve. You solve. No, actually, it takes a whole lot more strength to be yeah, kind. Yeah, it, it does. Any fool can be mean. Mm-hmm. But like he said, that culture is strong. It takes a lot more meekness. <clears throat> they strongly push. If you see you kind, you soft. Actually, you're Yeah, you're strong, but I'm saying, you know, it's just the culture that makes mindset. it sick. Yeah, yeah it makes it so that hey, yeah, you have, you have your right. Jesus and so under control. How many people say Jesus? It's weak. 
He was a weak man. Mm-hmm. Look at him. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that. My Bible, they've been reading. They tell me uh, <laughs> they tell me some, Oh, no, I know. Jesus <laughs> is a crutch for you. Weak. And I said, Are you a crutch? I said, He's two crutches. I said, I need him under both arms. I said, I, said, I don't need him under one. I mean, I mean he's not, yeah, I like that. He's not just a crutch. <laughs> he holds me up. Yeah, the foundation. And they, they said that to mock you, but when you come back and say, You're right. But right. well, I have but he's, he's both crutches. He's not one crutch. Then it kind of takes the air out of him. And I'm not on pills and I'm not drunk and I'm not seeing a psychiatrist, you know. Yeah, but I love what you said that patient and kind and for society means doormat. Yeah. That's what that means. That to them it means doormat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you gonna be a doormat? No, I'm not gonna be a doormat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you make yourself one, you'll be used as one. You know. Right. And the thing about it is too, it's like you know, you you can read this and you can't take this out of balance. Yes, you can, because yeah. you know, because the flesh will will you know it will take the 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 type the right individual. The enemy will bring that person into your life. To literally try to suck the life out of you and take advantage of you attempting to walk in obedience to what you read here, mm-hmm. you know, trying to flesh that out, and an individual will latch on and just take advantage. Mm-hmm. But the scripture also said, Jesus says, "What? Don't cast your pearls before swine." Mm-hmm. That then, what's that teaching? You know, that sounds like boundary to me. Mm-hmm. When Paul's talking about evil communication, corrupting good manners, being careful about that, be ye separate. All these is boundaries. It's boundaries. Yeah. Right. You can do this, but some people just got to do it from a distance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's like, okay, I understand that you know you have this type of perspective, you have this attitude, you're exhibiting this type of behavior towards me, so I'm going to have to remove myself from your sphere. Right? So that way, uh, you're, you're getting yourself out of a situation where you're, you're, you're being tempted to walk in the flesh. Right? Yeah. But again, we got the biggest cheat code there is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Because he'll tell us, mm-hmm. you know, what, who to fellowship with and not to. How much time to give a person and not. Like, how much to share and what not to share. You know, he'll do all that stuff for us. But it's us, you know, trusting and, and for his first his willingness to do it. And number two, our, our Faith that you can hear. So, again, you know, walking this stuff out is it ain't no joke. But I like what Terry said earlier, like when, when referring to Paul when he says, "Reckon yourselves dead." But if you get a revelation of that, that you're dead, you don't see too many offended dead people. You can stand over there coughing and say, you are the ugliest son of a gun I ever saw. Yeah. 
they, you never they, get any response. You know, no songs, no songs at all. They, they did. Yeah. They did. You know? But I also, somebody said, well, we're, we're living sacrifice, but sometimes we, living sacrifice can crawl off the altar. Dead one can't. <clears throat> So sometimes we crawl off the altar. Mm -hmm. Why? But guess that's why Paul said I die there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Yeah. That's what he said. <clears throat> you know. And again, how do you do that outside of the presence of God? Can't be done. That's true because in my own life, I know, and mom knows what I'm talking about, but we all can do this. Is, there have been people I've given so many chances to, and I mean, I'm glad I, I had the right heart behind it because I didn't know better, you know, that I could go to God and say, not that they don't need a chance, but you know what I mean, a chance without having a boundary, you know, like you can pray for somebody for a distance, but God doesn't want us being, like I said, we're to be kind, but we're not to be doormats. And he's a good dad. He doesn't, you know, he knows exactly where we need to be. And if I had went to God and been like, this person, I mean, should I keep? in a relationship way, giving them a chance. And God would have been like, my daughter, just pray for them. I will deal with them. You don't have mm -hmm. to have that, you know, open communication or whatever that, that line is bound, you know, but then again, there's been times like in my life recently where it was, okay, God, what do I do in this situation? Um, I know what you've told me already, but God, I want to make sure, you know, I'm supposed to do this in life and it's, <clears throat> trust me. Put all your eggs in one basket. You, I, I don't care what it looks like. I know, you know, you, you really see God. You know he's telling you, do this. And you're like, wow. And then they have that connection. You know, not that it, like, makes life perfect, but it's just like, you know, God has told you where to go. And you're like, okay, it's safe. You know, that kind of thing. It's really neat, you know. I like what he said as far as you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. And that's why I think we talked about this earlier. That's why you can't. You know, live the Holy Spirit, you just a shout and a dance. Because if, if that's your your only um you know, perspective of the Holy Spirit is that He make you do these things. And I realize that He is as the scripture says, a helper, yes. your strengthener. He knows everything. Yeah, your standby. He's the spirit of your advocate. If you don't rest see him as those things, then if you only see him as a dance and a shout, then you're not going to be able to, as we yeah. talk about, walk this thing out. Because yes. all he is is a dance and a shout. Okay. Yeah. If he ain't making me do that, then okay. That's all he can do. Yeah, that's all he can do. Holy yeah, he's not the rest of those things. Right, not the rest of those things. <laughs> so, so if you're not, um, don't realize that that's who he is, then you're not going to seek him in those areas where he can strengthen you, where he can give you advice, where he can be an intercessor for you, you know, all those things that he has come to do for us. Yeah. I was fishing the other day, and a guy came out in a kayak paddling, and he looked to be 25 or 30, and he, he came over and introduced himself. And uh, he was right next to the boat. We shook hands. And next thing I know, he's loading up a bowl. He said, uh, Gene, you smoke any marijuana? And I said, not in the last 50 years. Dang. <laughs> I said, but, but in my day, years ago. <laughs> we had this little conversation. And then, then he came over and he said, uh, 
when are you going to leave? And I told him around 3.30, he said, you think you could tow me back to the dock? Now, usually, I, I knew somebody smoking dope and stuff. I, I wouldn't want nothing to do with them. I said, I'd be happy to. And he said, you got any ice? I said, I got better than that. I said, I got some soda, cold soda. So I gave him a cold drink, towed him back to the dock. And when we got back to the dock, man, he, he took my hand, shook, took with both of his hands and shook. and said, I'm going to see you again. He says, and we can fish together a little bit. I said, yeah, I think I'd like that. And, I, and when he was walking away, I was thinking, you're a candidate for Jesus, dude, you know? And when he was, when he was leaving... But I had no condemnation. I just loved on the guy. And that opened his heart right up. That's good. Now, if he was a, if Brother Gene is attending a certain seminar, he would get chastised. Absolutely. But not condemning that brother. That's speaking the truth and love. Absolutely. Right? Why didn't you point it out? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you point that his shortcomings? 20, 25 years ago, I looked at him and said, that's a crutch, dude. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I, I would have. But, but you don't smoke that weed. <laughs> everybody out there is a target for your love, you know. Everybody. And this this line about this Bible, this is the English Standard Version, it says, "Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing." With things that are currently going on, and uh, quite a few prophetic words I've heard that there will be some mega churches where the pastors who are compromised will fall. And I am hearing so many Christians rejoicing over that. And just, makes I'm sad. Th- it makes me so sad. That makes me. Oh. Why would we rejoice to see a brother fall? Right. It just makes me sick, man. We were talking about that earlier about um, certain ones that it's been a while back. They had people when they were in the spotlight. They had all these pastors backing them up, but when they fell, all of them ran, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Instead of going in in quietness and coming to him, and said, "What do you need?" Now Swaggart's back now, and and he's he's got a powerful ministry. Jim Baker's got a powerful ministry, and I said, I, I I tell people, man, I'm so happy that God restored these guys, and they look at me like, why? I mean, like why why how can you be happy that God restored somebody? And I said, isn't that the goal to restore everybody? When you want to be restored, yes. and you know, to yes. me, I think I'd almost look up to somebody like that. And go like, okay, no, they didn't need to be in leadership when they were healing and stuff. But it's like, it makes you feel like, okay, they're real. Like, they can relate. You know, they're human beings and whatever they did, I mean. Well, think about what they went through. The humiliation of of having your private stuff in front of 10 million people. Oh, my gosh. That you were running with somebody. Yeah. Usually it's just somebody gossiping about it in the church. But this was 10 million people on TV. Everything fell apart. But, but what it does to me, it reveals back. something lacking in people's hearts, lacking their understanding of who they are in Christ. Because we were talking about this today, the ladies that were over. We said, because a lot of times I think it makes people feel better about themselves if they can, you know, pick on somebody's falling. Well, if we really understood who we are in Christ and the way God sees his kids we don't need to be feeling better about ourselves because somebody else falls. I heard, just... I heard Swagger and Baker both say that we were we were so esteemed because of the size of our ministries. No one, no one thought that they were powerful enough to minister to us. They, they thought we should be ministering to them. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody. Does. Everybody. And, and he said, he said, uh, you do. 
He said he was cut off. He was cut off from that. Well, I heard Jimmy Swagger say, where could he go for prayer? Right. That it wouldn't be out on the media five minutes later. The next day. Where do you go and bear open your heart? We were on a team at uh, New Covenant that they called the Barnabas team. And our job, it, we, it was started, we were the original people in there, to pray for the needs of the leadership of the church. And we would assemble once a month, we'd get together, and we would have a list of their prayer needs. Well, when we started out, you could tell they didn't trust anybody. And we got real general oh, I'm sure. things as... Five, six, seven years went by. We yeah. were getting very personal because they realized not, not a word was ever leaked, leaked out. out. They yeah. could trust the, the six of us to really do nothing but pray for them. But that's risky. It is. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you find that when you're in leadership? And so that's why I think they they hide things, not intentionally, it's but fun. where do they go? It's it's like on the other end, that's where people were missing it. Yep. so bad. They thought. They didn't have any needs. And that was this one of the wrong They probably things. had more than anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a big people, target. Because people understand the target is on your back. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you know, the more influence that you have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's like amazing how people will like lust after position and you know affluence and, and these titles. It's a hard you place to no be. Yes, it is. For real, you don't. Because That's right. You, yeah, because you because you're thinking about the pomp, the prestige, mm-hmm. the big chair, mm-hmm. the you know the big piece of chicken at the picnic, <laughs> the honor the honorarium, all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You ain't thinking about the spiritual warfare, all that gossip and the headlines. You know all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. They're backbiting. People are just jockeying for position. People being fake right in front of your mm-hmm. face, waiting waiting for you to slip stab your back. All that type of stuff. And this is in the church. But people don't, you know. Oh, a whole lot of times, the church is far worse than the pagans. I knew, Remember all the stories Jesse Duplantis would tell about his air, airplanes? He said he never had a problem. The pagans used to come and say, go for it, brother. I mean, you know, they would think, they would think it's wonderful. He says, the only persecution I ever got was from the church. Yeah. My thing, I said, I mean, when I know God dealt with me as far as self-righteousness. It, it was through Creflo Dollar, I know, when I realized that was who I was. Because, you know, I think somebody, when I think he made reference to, you know, self-righteousness just like cancer. You know how you can have it. You may not feel no way, but you can have it. But you think you're fine. Mm-hmm. Because, and that was being, and uh, even through this ministry, I've learned, okay, to God to help me with that, as far as you know, so now, like I said, when I hear certain things about pastors, I'm not like, okay, yeah, yeah, he or she is this, this, and that. And then, you know, there was time I would go to work and say, "Did you?" We're not supposed to be quick to yeah. believe evil about people. Right. And I'm saying I had to learn. I do that, and even God tested me recently with as He talking about people confiding you because when you're a pastor, or when people think you're a pastor or a minister. Mm-hmm. They think they can come to you, and I, I think I told him recently. Somebody, a guy came to me and at work, and he called. Well, he called me. He was like, "I need to talk to you," and I was like, what do "He want to talk to me for? He ain't never asked to talk to me. He want to talk to me." And so once I got, he really, I mean, he pulled out his heart. I mean, about what he was going through, and I was like, "Okay, well, 
And, you know, so, and again, his one of his statements was, he said, you know, I'm ain't trying to tell my business to everybody. He said, but I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and so, and I, you know, it's like, wow. So he trusted me mm-hmm. to tell me that and not the whole workplace know about it. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay. And it was a test for me because I'm saying, okay, okay, if this guy trusts me to mm-hmm. allow me to be vulnerable enough to tell me what's going on in his personal life, and then, okay, he must have saw something in me to be able to trust me with this information. Yeah. So why am I going to betray him by going out and telling him, I ain't tell nobody but Jesus is mm-hmm. And what he knew, mm-hmm. glad to tell him. But the thing is, you know, like you said, to put yourself to, for people to put you in that, especially your minister, you, people got to be able to trust you. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw this is not a Christian thing, but it's the idea. This officer showed such love. I saw it the other day when he graduated high school. He wanted to be a police officer really, really bad, so he went to one that was seasoned in the area that he knew. He asked him right out. He goes, "What do I do to be a police officer?" He said, "I really want to be one." He goes, "I wouldn't wish that on nobody." And this was an seasoned officer. He goes, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't wish nobody to do what I do. He said, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, I didn't expect that. So he went off and he went into the army, did some other stuff. And he goes, then he just, he just couldn't get rid of it. So he went back and he was talking. It was the story that I was looking at. He was helping this lady. He had a graveyard shift, 11 to 7. He said, I say a lot. And what's so funny is listening to him, he never used bad language. He used a couple of crude words but he didn't use any bad language. And he was helping a young lady who was getting ready to have her fifth child. She was dealing with, um, she was on drugs, but she had left her husband, not in, in a mean way, but she knew he wasn't doing anything. They were, they were almost homeless. And she had this drug problem. He treated her with 100% love. He didn't try. He said, I know who you are. I've seen you before. He fed her like the people he went through. They paid for the, all the food. He was going to pay for it. He just showed her love. He 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 fed her. He didn't. He someone tried to help you take you to this place that she could go to, and she already had all these children. Her her mother had the others. He wasn't condemning. He was not chastising. He, he was just saying, "What can we do to help you?" He just continued to show her pure love, and he never criticized. And then he went on explaining. He goes, and she goes, "Well," and she was so articulate. One of her relatives was in the same police forces him and she said it was and he was off to look him up he's probably older he was a, a detective or something and she knew all about that but it's the way he handled her she was very articulate too but it was always showing such love and kindness to her he just kept telling her he goes i just wish you the best i hope for the best he was going out of his way he was putting himself on the line to help her and he just he just it was just it was the epitome of love and he said, I've only I've been doing it for eight years. He goes, I finally got back into it. He goes, it's a lot. He goes, but I love what I do. And you could tell by what he was doing to her. He spent a lot of time. He went out of his way to take her to the center that would take her because she was pregnant. And he was wishing her well. He goes, as she was being escorted in, he goes, I wish you the best. Uh-huh. He goes, I hope yeah. I don't see you ever That's again good. except in some good way. Awesome. And it was such love. And that was not even the church. This was an officer in the middle of the night letting a lady who had, was dealing with drugs, pregnant with her fifth child, she didn't have the others, eating off the hood of his, his um, cruiser. Mm-hmm. 
I said, that's love. That's what the church is meant the church. We're taught. I mean, this nobody really thinks about this, but as a teacher, we were always taught when grading papers, you're looking for the mistakes. And about 15 years into my career, I listened to this Christian couple and they took they had their kid their, one of their children's primary school papers, you know, with the wide lines and the boy was learning how to write. And they said, okay, look at this. He was practicing, say, the letter A. So he had A's all over. And the teacher would take the big red pencil and circle it and, you know, make a comment about. And, and so he said, look at the difference. He got another piece of paper. And here's a letter. And she circled it in red. And she said, beautiful A. In other words, show him which ones were right so he could model what he had done right. If all you do is pick out what's wrong, you still don't have an idea of how to correct that. That completely revolutionized the way I taught grading compositions wow. anymore. <clears throat> I'm looking for. So I would end up writing things like great topic sentence, wonderful use of the accusative case. Wow, you got the passive voice down. It just completely changed. And my kids were more motivated to write because they wow, I see what I'm doing correctly. And then they knew they could keep doing that. And yeah, that doesn't mean you don't correct anything that's wrong, but the both, and I quit using red ink. We program, we are programmed to look for the worst in, in the situations. Worst. So that, that was a complete paradigm shift for me. It changed a huge way that I felt about my kids and you know what I was doing with them. And I was constantly looking for what they were doing right and reinforcing what they were doing right instead of listening for, ah, you mispronounced that word. Well, what if in the sentence they said eight words beautifully and one word wrong? We were trained to pick out the one wrong word. Yeah, it comes with the hair. We're trained in right? society. Remember? It's true. It's wrong, people, wrong. But that, that changed my Nine life. That's the thing, too. We project that on on God. Yep. And it just perpetuates the whole works righteousness law based teaching. Yeah. You know, I got to thinking as we were talking a little bit ago about the woman at the well in John four. I had pulled it up. I was just peeking at it in between and I go, it you know, it's one of my favorite Bible stories personally, and I know a lot of us admire that is but I thought if we you know if Jesus act the way that we do sometimes <laughs> he might not have been such a good turnout. But I mean really I always love that story because all Jesus did was just sit down and talk with her and he showed her love and she freaked out. Of course she did about it. And I go, we'd be sitting there like, yeah, she's probably, probably today she'd be a chain smoker or something. I always imagine her in like these jeans, t-shirt, kind of rough, you know, voice because she had smoked so much, you know, or whatever. And, and tattoos. Yeah, tattoos. You know, one of those, those ladies you meet at the country store, Love instead of leaving skin. a water pot, she, yeah, she left her like car keys and her cell phone probably and wallet. And it's like, you know, J Jesus afterward, he's talking with his disciples and I'm like, John, Peter, come here. You see, don't don't let anybody tell you that the harvest is coming. No, I'm gonna tell you, it is white for harvest. And he's just like, Jesus was so excited because he's like, Wow, I touched somebody's life. Father, I touched it, you know, we touched somebody's life, you know. And he just looked at her and you know, said, she, like, she was married five times, you know. Like you know? that's my kind of people. If I'm in a room and there's like five derelicts and five hundred Christians with ties on, before before it's all over, I'm with the derelicts. Yeah. yeah, I'm trapped to them, and I want to talk to them. I yeah. want to love them. Yeah. 
It's true. Yeah, it is. So one thing he said, I know, I know, you know, go back to far as I know you say that ministers don't have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You know, but so we can't. You know, and I know maybe Gene and we can test it. I know sometimes people think that we're not supposed to go through certain things, ministers, because you tell them if you're going through something that they look like. Well, you know what? They they deem you as not worthy to minister now. They, I tell I tell on myself all the time, and I do it intentionally. Yeah, you know, I, 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 my fault. Okay, you know, you, just you so people know, you know. And then when God uses you, they can go, "Wait a minute, this guy's as imperfect as I am, and God's using him." You know, they'd be like, "How can you be a minister going through that? Yeah. You're not supposed to yeah. be going through this. You're not supposed to be going through that." And so, for me, I know. Okay, you you. You don't tell people because if you tell them, they're going to think, they're going to switch it up and be condemning and begin to judge you and say, okay, well, something's wrong with you. You know, you know, you, you're not, well, what's wrong with you? So for us to pour our, if we really deal with something serious, I mean, like, you know. All right. All right. And that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure to for men men of God that are that are pastoring under these the old church model where you know the pastor is like he's the set man right you know the go to for everything mm-hmm. this supposed to be perfect right you know oh, yeah it's so it's supposed wrong. to be the model of perfection you have full five hundred or more people <clears throat> in this particular flock and you know you got all this stuff that you have to deal with in that position. And it's like, who, who are you going to talk to? Because even even your deacon board, you know, you're supposed to be able to talk to you know, your leadership, but it's like a lot of times some of those you talk to, some of those tickets looking for your job. Yeah. You don't want to tell them. You know, so they they, they, they going to keep it house like, like, you yeah. like, like, like you was talking about and so they can bring it up in the next board. Right. right? So it, and it's just the antithesis of what love is, mm-hmm. right? Because right here it says love is not jealous. It's not jealous, but competitive jealousy, that is a huge deal mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. Competitive jealousy. Like just like that, that Saul spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? And then look at verse 7 says, in the Amplified, love bears up onto anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Ever ready to believe the best of every person. And, you know, like Terry was sharing about, you know, ministers falling and the, prof- the prophetic word that is that, 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 are, that are coming out about what's to come, it's like, it's grievous to me. It is. It's grievous. It's like, Lord, have mercy. It's the last thing we need. So it's many more people are going to be hurt. More negative light on church, right? On on on. On Christ, on Christianity, you know, just giving giving the on enemy the another on a, giving the enemy another piece of ammo to use for people that are on the fence, for people who are questioning, and it's just and it's like it's it's so stupid if you really think about it because it's like it's like me looking at my kneecap or my leg and mm-hmm. saying. Mm. <laughs> You deserve this one. We're gonna get rid of you. Dang. I'm glad you scuffed up. I'm like, 
yo, it's your, it's a part of the body. Exactly. It's a part of the body. What is wrong with you? Yeah. You see how stupid that sounds? It's right. It does. It's ridiculous. But this is why Paul used that, that, that imagery. So we can get it. That stuff is not funny. No, not at all. It is grievous. And it, it really is a call to, to prayer. To say, Lord, if, if it be any way to, for, for this to shift. Yes. For them to get out of their place of compromise. Yes. For things, for things to turn around, Lord, and your will be done. Let it be. You go on YouTube and there's people who, who think that calling in life is, is to shine their light on... Um, Pastors and people in the church that are doing wrong, and I always tell Terry when I when I see something like that, I say that that guy that guy's stepping in some deep trouble, and he doesn't know it. All right, because right. he's he's he, even if this guy's messing up that he's talking about, he's got no right to broadcast it. God deals with that kind of stuff, you know. Right. It's like you you would be amazed at how much Christian TMZ is out there. Yeah, if you know what TMZ is, yeah. Right. It's just crazy, and I'm like, it, this is not doing a service to the body, you know. And it's, it's one thing to say, okay, you know, this this behavior is, you know, this is something that we have to pray about, really pray about. But it's something else to kind of just put a person's name out there to put them on blast, and then to just broadcast. The sin, you know, as if you know. Well, first true. of all, how do you even know it's true? So much of the stuff that's being said. Oh, well, where's your source? I've had people look at me and say, "Okay, let's just use somebody that's not religious." Somebody the other day, you had the TV on, and and uh, the governor of Florida was speaking, mm -hmm. and this person looked at me and she says. He's not who you think he is. He's not he everything is. you think he is. He's not who you think he is. You know my response And I want to say. I said, the people in Florida love him. I'm thinking, they know him. I don't know him, but they know him and, and they love him. And so. who's your source? And what makes you so sure that your source is at? It's just, it's appalling but to this, me. This, this lady, like, and, she, she well, says don't, something don't go about there. everybody. But it just. I'm sure she says it about me when she goes somewhere oh, else. Whatever. But I could care less. I think that's where relationship with each other is important, too, though, because. Like I said, I'll mention sometime a friend of mine, very good friend of mine. She's in a different denomination than I am. And um, I, we talk all the time on the phone. We've even talked more recently for a while. You know, you go through, you know, ups and downs with friends, nothing bad. But I mean, we've been chatting a lot and I go, you know, I don't agree with everything. She believes in her like um, way of looking at God's world. Set. That way she doesn't agree with everything of me. But I go, she got a lot of love to give. And I got a lot of love to give. And we both know that about each other. And even though she may believe we should dress this way, I believe we should dress this way. We both know when it comes down to it. She she had a crisis happen with her vehicle. And um, she had shared it with me. It's okay now, thank God. And um, I kept encouraging her. I was like, you know, you're a daughter of the king. God's going to take care of this. She's like, I know, sis. I know. She calls me sis, you know. And, you know, it's amazing. But anyway, she told me. She called somebody outside of her church and she had asked her pastor about a permission. Like, is it okay if I do that? And he was like, sure, it's okay to help her at the dealership that she was dealing with her car. And he was able to pull strings. They talked about it. And I said, that's great, girl. And she goes, and even though he goes to a different church, I'm, you know, I'm glad and stuff. And I said, girl, I said, 
and I know, I mean, I'm even different than this guy she went to. Like, they at least have the same denomination. Like, I'm different in that way. And I said, girl, I said, would I have your back? She goes, yeah. And I said, you know I would. I said, it doesn't matter. We don't agree on everything. We know we don't, you know. But I go, when it comes down to it, the relationship being there, and then you're not tearing each other down in the faith, like, oh, well, they believe this and this and this. Well, she believes this. Well, we both love Jesus. But, you know, you know? people say they, like, they have cooties. And yeah, they, they, are, I know. they. completely different. It's the, it's the ecclesia for heaven's sake. Yes. You know, we don't understand. Yes. But like knowing somebody, you know, and I, I love that mom and I, I mean, you know, we love talking here and stuff and talking about Andrew Womack, for instance, I use him as an example. He's been blasted by a lot of different like YouTube videos and people getting together and I go... I don't even go on what I read about him. I go, if someone says, Andrew Womack, he's a heretic and he's a, a charlatan. I stood in Charlotte, North Carolina, had him pray for me. I talked to 20 people who knew him for 30 years. And I go, I know that man is a man of integrity, you know? So relationship, it's so important. You you know? He's a charlatan? You mean he's from Charlottesville? Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's, oh, he went to Charlotte? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, so important to Charlotte? know. No, he's a charlatan. I was I was working yeah. one time and the man came in. This is thirty years ago. and He was just beating up on Pat Robinson. Oh, he just in there for the money. He just this. He just that. And I was counseling over there, right? And I said to him, "Well, he's got four or five hundred employees. That was back then. He pays them pretty good." And I said, uh, "And he's got Operation Blessing." I said, "In fact, two weeks ago, a person's house burned down, and we loaded up a, a big tractor and trailer with furniture to refurnish that." person's uh, new house and everything. I said, when's the last time you did anything like Pat did? And this guy, I mean, when he came in, he was saying, F Pat, F, this guy's no good. This guy's, <laughs> and when I, if I, got done, Force. If I got done saying that, he, he, he shut up and left. But I was so mad at him. I thought, you're beating up on people you, you don't know anything about. That's you know? the truth. They don't know. Basically, yeah. and, and look, at, look at verse 15. Yep. Typical says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Yeah. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining light, like bright lights in the world full of crooked, perverse people. Because see, people can say what they want to say, but they can't deny fruit. That's right. <laughs> they can't deny fruit. That's so right. just like, you know, the example that Gene gave when them, them trucks was pulling up to that person's house, didn't it? The, the news wasn't there then. That's right. This this show mm -hmm. that. Right. Right. But see, again, us as believers, if we weren't, if we we wouldn't be susceptible to that stuff if we were really loving each other. Not just the set we claim in, in the spirit. When I say set, I'm talking about, you know, your Baptist set or your your Methodist set or your Amen set or your church of God set. But we were just embracing each other as followers of the Lord and really looking at each other as, as another part of the body. How can you hate your your own members? Yeah. Nobody looked at their hand and was like, forget you. I don't, I don't like need you. I don't hate my hand. I hate that. Or your foot. I'm tired of you. <laughs> no, sir. Mm -mm. But well, again, that's that's what we are. We are all members of one body. One body. When I was in Louisiana for the Hurricane Katrina, there were like, you could smell food all over the place. And Pat Robertson had Operation Blessing there. That They were cooking, I mean, and just handing out food to everybody. 
the Baptists, they brought in laundromats and toilets on in tractor and trailers so people could wash their clothes. Uh, uh, all the big churches were represented there with uh, with food, clothing. So, I mean, I was really proud of the body of Christ because all the different ones, they were all there and they were all giving they were, everything They were away. working together. Yeah. yeah man. And why wasn't that only six o'clock news? Exactly. Right. In fact, we loaded up a truck with stuff, and we were going to take it inland, figuring that maybe some of these people inland needed it more. And we went 40 or 50 miles inland, where it was where a hurricane didn't hit so bad. And we had a pickup truck full of canned goods, sodas, drinks, laundry stuff. And we were pulling into different churches and saying, hey, we got stuff for you. And the guy said, well, we, don't, we can't take it anymore. He said, we don't have any room for it. I mean, this country just went out of their way to really... Uh, bless them, and on and in every corner lot that was empty, parking lot, there'd be clothes stacked up three feet high. I mean, you could go through there and pick out clothes for the next hundred years. Wow! But it was really like an outpouring that really you you really was special. All right, social media family. Thank it's you. It's time already. We'll see you next week. Too quick. I know, right? Thank <laughs> you.